Please be advised, this episode may contain triggers based on sounds and stories told. Disclaimer, advice and information presented in this episode is for general educational and information purposes only. It is not intended to be a legal or medical advice. Please seek legal advice as well as consult with an attorney and your state laws pertaining to firearms. The information contained in this episode is to be based on your own judgment. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. In this episode, I am chatting with Marshall Tig Davis, owner and founder of My Sister's Keeper Defense, formerly known as Trigger Happy Firearm Instruction. She is a Florida native and currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. I am excited to be highlighting Marshall on the second episode presented for Women's Month because she is truly providing education, service, and revamping the perspective on gun culture. I fell across a platform when I decided to look more into gun ranges and training. I never liked the idea of guns. Growing up in the hood, the gun culture equated violence. It meant death amongst gang members and innocent bystanders. I remember the first time I saw a gun. I was in junior high, I was sitting next to this boy, and he said, yo Shay, check this out. He opened his book bag. I looked down and there was a gun in the bag. And I said, what are you gonna do with that? And he said, I'm gonna teach somebody a lesson later. And I remember thinking to myself, we're in class. What if the teacher sees you? Like, you're 13, I'm 13. Who are you going to kill? Who are you going to shoot? And I remember I never really understood the concept of why people my age around that time got caught up in gun violence, but that became the norm. Hearing gunshots down the street, hearing of friends getting killed, you never knew what would happen next. But something shifted for me. Not too long ago, about three, four years ago, I had a friend of mine that said, you wanna go to a gun range? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) But he said, it's not that bad. Like, let's just go to the gun range. Don't worry, it's cool. So we got to the gun range, I decided to go. While sitting there in orientation, the video that was playing said, make sure you have your goggles on, as well as the children accompanied by you should have their goggles on as well. And I turned to my friend and I'm like, children? Children are allowed in here? And he was like, yep, okay. Still sitting with that one. We got inside and all I could hear was gunshots. My hands trembled. Couldn't believe I agreed to this. But I got in there, tried to calm my nerves, as gunshots are still blaring loudly inside, even with the headphones on. And as I stepped up to take my turn, I looked over and I saw a man, a white man, with his son. And then it dawned on me, this man is in here with his son, teaching him how to shoot, teaching him how to protect himself. And then I said to myself, what am I afraid of? And from then on, it just all changed. I picked up that gun and started shooting.
it is just a pleasure to have you here because I've watched from the time I joined, which was two, three years ago, and I've watched how you display gun culture, how you display self-defense specifically amongst women. I want to kind of dive in and know when was your first experience holding a gun? Um, so my first experience was in the military. I had a very different experience than most Black women. You know, Black women, we are in the military, but usually when you serve, you're shooting AR-15 platform or style rifles. Um, most people in the military don't ever shoot a handgun. And I was in one of those specialized fields, which is military intelligence where I had to qualify using a handgun. And then when I deployed, I had to carry a handgun uh, on my person in civilian clothes as a part of my job. So my first experience, you know, shooting was very different. It was a class. I was getting kind of yelled at by army instructors and it wasn't really friendly, but I got the gist of it. You know, it wasn't the pleasant experience that I like to give my students, but I did get the point and learn how to shoot. Okay. So before entering to the military, did you have an understanding of guns or your understanding of guns was once you entered into the military? Yeah, I didn't know anything about firearms when I joined the military or, you know, growing up, we weren't around them. I saw one, I think maybe on at a playground when I was really young. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a hood, you know, just like, you know, you were talking about earlier. We didn't touch it. I just knew it was something wrong. And then that that was my first, I guess, experience around firearms, but I didn't know anything about them. So what shifted once you hit the military and knowing that, okay, I'm shooting a firearm. Did the shift happen where you're like, okay, I'm doing this specifically because I'm in the military. What happened that made you decide, you know what, outside of being in the military, I'm actually going to begin this organization. I think the shift between I carry this because it makes me feel comfortable and I need to teach others how to do this and become a part of gun culture happened when I came back to Georgia uh, in 2016. I'd gotten out of the military and I needed a job, you know, couldn't find work on the civilian okay. side. And one of my friends owned a gun range or, or managed a gun range. So he was like, hey, come, you know, come work here at the gun range. And I had never thought about it before, but it's something I'm familiar with. Why not? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's when that shift really happened. So tell me, how did you begin My Sister's Keeper Defense? Yeah, so My Sister's Keeper Defense, it was actually trigger happy firearm instruction. When I first registered my business in 2016, mm -hmm. I decided while working at the gun range that, hey, I want to do this full time. I also want some equity in my work because working for a gun range, anyone, who tell, well, anyone who's ever worked at a range will tell you, you don't make a lot of money. It's long hours. You know, mm -hmm. I'm on my feet 10 hours a day. I think I started at $10 an hour. Um, you're breathing in lead and gun particles. It's not a fun That's job right. at all. Right. <laughs> so I was like, well, if I'm going to do this laborious work where my health and life is on the wrist, every day because I'm around untrained people with guns. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just start my own business? And that way I can do it the way I want to do it. I can travel and I can teach the specific people that I want to teach, not just whoever comes into the range. Right. So that's what happened. I literally made the decision. I quit the range. I walked out like on my lunch break, I think <laughs> something crazy. I had so much conviction in what I wanted to do that yeah. I was like, I'm not going to waste another second doing something that doesn't make me happy. That is very true. How did 
did you decide that this would be catered only to women? I decided because I started doing some research on sexual assault and domestic violence. In 2011, before that deployment, I was sexually assaulted um, after attending a party on a college campus. And I lived with that and I held that for the entire deployment. Most of it, it really affected me that entire time, but I wouldn't acknowledge what happened. And then I eventually told my boyfriend and he was, he actually said the words, you know, he said, you were raped. And that was the first time I Mm -hmm. thought about what happened and acknowledged it. A few years later, we broke up and I ended up in another relationship and this guy was abusive. It was crazy having these things happen, you know, only a few years apart and still not really thinking I'm a victim or I'm a survivor. It didn't connect. I just thought these things happened. So after, you know, leaving the abusive relationship, it was probably less than a month later is when I ended up working at the gun range. Okay. So while I was working there, women would come into the range saying, I have a violent boyfriend. I'm a survivor of rape. I just had my house broken into. I just had, you know, a a carjacking attempt happen. And I just want to come here and learn how to protect myself. And it clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been through that exact same thing. And I know how to shoot. And knowing how to shoot and carrying a gun makes me feel better. Like that's a part of my therapy. Why don't I teach other women? women how to defend themselves so that they don't feel how horrible I felt before I started taking guns seriously and started caring every day. So that's when it clicked, just the women coming into the range and me being the only woman firearms instructor in the building. And of all four locations that they had at the time, they would come in just to see me like, hey, is Tig here? I want to get my lesson from her. Where's the black girl that's usually back there? I I want her, you know, because they knew that I knew where they were coming from and their perspective. And I wasn't going to mansplain things to them. I wasn't going to you know, tell them they need a girl gun or belittle them. I was right? just about to say that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I'm not going to do that because I'm a woman too. And I understand they would only come to me. And that's when I was like, okay, I have to do this, but for women only. Right. And I appreciate that. Cause just like you were saying with, you need like a girl gun, even while seeing films or things in media, if you see a woman with a gun, she's a badass. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? She was trained for this, but you're typical everyday woman you don't really see her understanding the concept of utilizing a gun or how to use a, utilize a gun safely. Cause you'll see a certain movie where a woman's trying to protect herself. Mm-hmm. She's fragile and she's like fumbling with the gun or she can't pull the trigger cause she's so afraid and so forth. And it's only badass women <laughs> that, you know, use these uh, guns and are trained to do so. But like you said, in reality, we have day-to-day women that are going through different abuses, like you said. You know what it brings back to mind? My mom used to love watching Lifetime movies growing up. So there was a movie where this woman had an abusive boyfriend and she kept going to the cops because that's what you're told just go to the cops they'll handle it they'll protect you but in the community she was in I think it was a small town and they're just like he's not really doing that much damage you probably said something out of line and he smacked you upside your head get over it and she kept going back she's like he is abusing me where she came with bruises or whatever and you could tell that the men felt a little sorry for her but it was as if there was like a silent cold that 
that you don't even even as an officer don't go against another man up until the point he got drunk and outraged and basically beat her near to death but she didn't die but she basically had uh, i believe one side of her face was paralyzed for life because of how badly he abused her so i think it's very important for us to understand not to only take what we see in media in the sense of you have to be some kind of superhero or badass woman to own a gun or know how to utilize one for self-defense. There are women, like you said, from day to day that live with fear, live with trauma. And for them, it's not that we're out here wanting to kill people or out here just wanting to have a gun for the fun of it. But like you said, it's a sense of safety for themselves. You know, so I appreciate that very much. Do you only cater to women of color or you cater to all women? So when I think of cater to, I think of creating safe spaces. And in that aspect, by that definition, absolutely. I created my class, my marketing, my verbiage, my style as an instructor for Black women. You know, for my business, because I'm a business owner, any person, you know, whatever race or ethnicity you are, can register for a class. You can absolutely sign up and attend the class. You're going to be treated just like I treat every other student. Um, But understand that when I thought of this business, I wanted to make sure that Black women specifically feel comfortable in this space. And if you're okay with that and want to support a small Black woman-owned business, go for it, right? You don't find spaces where Black women see other Black women teaching, caring, being responsible with firearms. So that's why this is specific for me. Is there a more in-depth reason why you wanted to cater it to specifically Black women? Yes, because we are targeted three times as much as our white white or non-Black other ethnicity counterparts when it comes to sexual assault, when it comes to domestic violence, any kind of threat, harm, or targeting that could occur in this country happens mostly to Black women, women of color, to be inclusive, you know, and I want to make sure that we know how to defend ourselves because history has shown us that no one is coming to save us. When we call the police, it's a different story. It's a different scenario. So we might not have that luxury of being able to know that when I call 911, someone is actually going to come help me and not create further harm to me. I agree. This could be another topic because it goes deep, but I even think of the concept and I'm not saying this is all Black men. I know there are very loyal Black men with integrity uh, that have a sense of protection for Black women. And again, I'm not going to get into this topic, but just to mention it, even as Black women, sometimes we have this this understanding that we're not always protected by our Black men, right. you know? Um, and even sometimes within certain neighborhoods, I've witnessed, I have friends and family that have witnessed, you could get harassed, sexually harassed by a man and the other men will stand and watch and laugh right. and say, get over it. It's not a big deal, you know, or they'll even join in. I was in my car and I saw this black girl getting beat by her boyfriend. At first I was just like, what do I do? Cause you know, there's also this kind of concept of mind your business, Uh right? But he was really smacking her around and I was like, okay, I, I just can't. I got frustrated because as I was getting out of the car, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to intervene somehow. And as I was walking out, I remember I paused for a second because I watched at least two black men right on the same block. Just watch her and look like not my concern. Once I started walking towards, 
I realized that uh, there was a car and there were like at least two to three men in that car that I saw that was actually with the guy that was beating um, his girlfriend or whoever she was to him. And I must admit, I froze because I said, what if I now go help her? And now these men come out the car and now I'm a product of abuse also. Sometimes I go back and forth where I was just like, man, I probably should have still did something. But other times I was just like, but I was also concerned for my safety, you know, but it really brought me to the idea of just like two grown men. It wasn't teenage men, two grown black men just walked and just watched her get smacked up. You know, and it really, really hurts my heart. So I totally understand, like you said, as black women, um, we can easily say, let's leave it up to the cops or let's wait for other men to come to our rescue. But that is not the case. Being not only female, but being a human, having to understand the concept of self-defense. To make things clear, the mention of cops and their lack of support by no means state all cops are bad. Gun ownership is not for everyone. This is merely another avenue to consider with precaution, knowledge, and safety measures. Seeking help from police officers is not disregarded. And speaking of injustices should also not be ignored. So let's get into a little bit of gun education for our listeners. What are some of the rules that one should know when utilizing a gun? One of the most important rules is you will always treat the firearm as if it's loaded. And I hate saying it that way, because what does that mean? If you've never seen a loaded firearm or been around a loaded firearm, right. then how do you know how to treat it, right? Mm-hmm. So I always make mention to clarify, you treat the firearm as if it could fire at any moment. So what that means is whether it's unloaded, whether it's loaded, whether it's on safe, whether it's not on safe, it does not matter. In any condition, you treat the firearm as if it could fire at any moment. That means I wouldn't point my firearm at my foot or put my hand in front of my barrel, right? I wouldn't point it at my head jokingly on TikTok, right? Because if it could fire at any moment and I point it at my head, well, then I can't replace my face, right? Right, right. <laughs> like right. I only have one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the most important rules. Another is never put your finger on the trigger until you've identified your target and you're ready to shoot. So basically what that means is when I'm picking up my firearm and I have one here, if I'm picking up my firearm or using my firearm, I'm making sure that I am not putting my finger on the trigger because I'm not planning to shoot when I'm just moving my firearm from point A to point B. Okay. I'm not ready to shoot when I'm just taking my firearm out of the out of the bag or the range bag that I have it in. Mm-hmm. So if you're not actively about to shoot anything, there's no reason to put your finger on the trigger. And then another important rule is know your target. Like I have visual confirmation of what I'm actually shooting at, but I also know what's beyond, right? What's behind my target, what's around my target, because I'm responsible for that bullet until it stops. So when Mm -hmm. we think about self-defense, we think about me versus bad guy. Well, not really. When you have, you know, a firearm with a projectile inside of it, it's not just you and bad guy. It's you and the neighbors. It's you and the properties that are around you. It's you and the people that are, you know, surrounding the commotion. It's you and a lot of other people in property that you're responsible for. You have to be accurate. That's why training is so important because it's not just a spray and pray. It's not like TV and movies where just some person who's never picked up a gun ever just picks up a gun lying in the street. They're (laughs) getting all headshots. 
Yes. So part of following those rules is being safe no matter what and practicing. I agree with that because I love that you said that because I actually wrote that down where we have the stereotypical idea that anyone could just pick up a gun and start shooting because of what we see in movies. And also at the same time, <laughs> me and my friends joke around where we're just like, you can't see my hands. Our listeners, but when you just hold it, cock it to the side. <laughs> you just going at it and it's just like there's no repercussions you're not hitting anybody you hitting the you know the target or the bad guy like you would say and it's not like that <laughs> like you said you have to be very cautious of uh, your surroundings and understanding that you could even harm yourself right. by using a gun incorrectly it's not what you see um in music videos it's not what you see in action films like you said is it true that when you shoot you should always shoot to kill because i've heard heard um, people that have this fear that, you know what, I don't want to kill the person, but I want them to stop what they're doing, either if they're coming towards me, if they're going to harm me. So I'm going to try to shoot them in their leg or I'm going to shoot them in the arm just to, to stop them. And maybe I can have enough time to run or call for help. But I've also heard people say that if you're shooting, you should shoot um, with the intent to kill. All right. So from a legal perspective, let me put the disclaimer out there that I am not an attorney and this is not legal advice. Always check your local use of force laws when it you know relates to gun laws make sure that you're aware because there are different stipulations and different rules for different states Um, with that being said from my perspective or with my background you know Mm -hmm. as a firearms instructor and the training that I've received when you think about using a firearm you have to understand it's for self-defense but more to that you're trying to eliminate a threat and and that's not just a pretty euphemism that's literal so if someone Mm -hmm. is a threat to your life and you decide I need to use a lethal force against them. Lethal force is the operative word in that, right? Lethal, right? Right. So if you're defending yourself against someone and you believe that you need to use lethal force and you just shoot to maim or shoot to wound, understand that you have not eliminated that threat, right? Imagine, picture yourself and there's a bad guy charging at you and this bad guy really wants to take your life and you shoot them in a kneecap. Does that stop them from using their perfectly fine hand and perfectly fine trigger finger and shooting back at you, right? Does that stop them from lunging forward at you and still stabbing you or using a knife or edge weapon? It doesn't. You haven't eliminated anything. Mm -hmm. So you really just pissed them off or shooting to scare. I'm just going to shoot some rounds in the air and hopefully they run away, right? You just let the bad guy know two things. One, you probably don't know what you're doing, but two, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't do anything to them. If you did, right? Like if they're a threat to your life, you just told them, I don't want to hurt you. This is a bad person. Logic and reasoning aside, they're a bad person. They're intending on harming you. So you have to treat it as such. And we, us as good people, don't think that way. Mm -hmm. We think that, okay, if I just scare them or if I just wound them, they'll back off. Well, if that was the case, if that would have scared them away in the first place, they wouldn't have tried to hurt you. When you're thinking about self-defense, I tell all my students um, that you're trying to eliminate a threat, which means ending their ability to create harm to you. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, that means you are aiming center mass at the torso. You are trying to go for shots in vital organs where if they are unconscious or unable to get air or pump blood through their body, then they can no longer, literally no longer be a threat to you. So that's how I put it. I try not to say, um, you know, hey, we're just shooting to kill, just, you know, dead men tell no tells. It's something I've heard other people say. 
is not saying it like that doesn't really help people understand. You have to understand it's eliminating a threat. And as long as they're able to, to lunge or move or breathe or squeeze their trigger, they're still a threat to you. Are all guns made equal? I think I know the answer to that, but I still want you to. <laughs> Absolutely not. Guns are as different as cars. There are big ones, there's small ones, there's cheap ones, there's expensive ones. There are ones that have cool gadgets and there are ones that don't. There are ones that get you from point A to point B, right? Just, mm-hmm. hey, like I'm trying to get from one area to the other. That's it. And there are some that, you know, have better features to them. So they vary. There are some guns that are not great quality. There are some that are great quality. You know, it just kind of depends on what you're looking for and what your budget is. Right. And that's also the importance of training, understanding that every gun is not created equal. And the concept that we just said that you can't just think that you could pick up any gun and it's always going to be the same scenario or the same concept of of how to use it. I was watching something um, not too long ago on the channel, the series called Vice Investigates, and they were t- mm-hmm. and they had an episode about gun culture. And the thing that came up the most in the gun culture was the good versus bad guys with guns. And I guess they're saying that there's a fine line and how do we how do we maneuver through that in the in the idea of the second amendment as well as gun rights because we have an issue where good guys want to have guns for self defense to protect um but bad guys along with those rights are causing harm because when we think of the Charleston South Carolina church shooting you know when we think of school shootings mass shootings was this able to be prevented if we also had people people in the vicinity that were the good guys and wanted to protect because they showed a footage and I'm not sure what church this was but this was another church predominantly white church and someone came in and started shooting and there were men in the congregation that got up with their guns and started shooting back and a lot of people were you know protected but what are your thoughts on the concept of gun rights and good versus bad guys yeah in that last scenario you were talking about a church shooting I think it happened in Texas, but that's my vision for, you know, how having gun rights works. Like it literally works. Someone came in intending on harming a lot of people and a well-trained, well-educated gun owner defended that entire church. And had he not been there or, you know, not been able to get his firearm, then, you know, a lot, a lot more lives could have been lost that day. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. But when you think of gun laws and the laws that are currently in place, right, if a bad guy goes to a gun store, they pass the background check, you know, they take the class, they do what's legally necessary to get a firearm, and then they go hurt people, well, then gun control failed. But then if they go into a back alley and buy a gun out of a trunk somewhere and then go hurt a lot of people, well, gun control still failed, right? The same rules and laws that are in place didn't really stop that event from happening. And I feel like a lot of people who are making the decisions or calling for changes probably don't truly understand how gun control works anyway. There's a lot of people who have this thought process that I can just walk into Walmart, buy a gun and walk out. That's not true. You know what I mean? Or there are people who think, oh, I don't have to do a background check to buy a firearm or any old civilian can just walk into a gun store and come out with a fully automatic class three weapon. That's not true. So it's like if you don't know what's currently in place or what the actual facts are, it's hard to create then new plans and new suggestions because we have to look at what we currently have. Right. Right. We currently have 
is a background check process. What we currently have is classes mandated in most states to get a carry permit. Um, we currently have is a waiting period. You know, there's fees involved. In some states, it's upwards of six, $700 to get your carry permit and to purchase a firearm. So there are a lot of things that are currently in place. I think where we're currently failing as a society is education. Correct. I feel like with firearms knowledge for people who don't believe in, in civilian gun use, And for people who do, making training mandatory, but also free so that we don't class out the people who need to have this education is our next step. That's our next best bet. It's not just saying these guns are here. We're just going to forget about it. Just take them, take them or try to tax people out of gun ownership, which is what's being proposed now. Let's embrace this. Look, there's hundreds of millions of firearms in this country. They're not going anywhere. Let's start with education. Let's start educating children about firearm safety so that the thousands of kids who are hurt with firearms aren't hurt anymore. Let's start educating people about options to get mental health help, right? Mm -hmm. I need access to services. I need access to a therapist. I need access to medication or whatever. Whatever those mental health issues that you have, the, the, the issue is not that they're suffering. The issue is that they don't have a resource or can't afford the resources needed to get help. And then we've also, you know, somewhat ostracized those who have mental health issues. You know, you're over there, you've been suicidal, you're depressed, you know, you have these issues, we're going to push you over to the side. You can't be treated fairly like anyone else who's not suffering. Mm-hmm. So let's take the stigma out of, out of those issues. Um, a lot of the deaths that are caused by handguns are suicides suicide by handgun. So it's not taken away from that gun owner. It's let me give you resources to not have those thoughts and not mm-hmm. suffer the way you're suffering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that education is, is not the cure all, but it's our next best step. Teach people that it's okay to have the mental health issues that you currently have. You're not a bad person for having those issues, but let's get you help for free. And then also let's teach our children, parents, Let's teach our neighborhoods and communities for free how to defend yourself with a firearm, how to safely store a firearm, how to safely handle a firearm. So that way the stigma is gone. And a lot of the people who are being hurt aren't currently being hurt. And I love when you said lack of education overall, because in many instances and things that we deal with in society that are a harm to us, I believe is a lack of education in many different levels. But specifically what I'm thinking about is the Black community, again, going back to what I said about, you know, hood culture, understanding that having a gun just means that you're either a part of a gang. Uh, Violence is something that you are a part of compared to this narrative that I've seen a difference between the North and the South. That when I go down South and I even see Black families, some of them, I think I, um, I think I know this woman that was raised in Alabama. And for her, she was like, yeah, me and my dad used to shoot in the backyard and it wasn't anything, you know, I I know how to use one. I may not own one, but I know how to use one. And at the same time, again, you have the culture of white men and women that they actually do own them. They know how to utilize them. Their children know how to utilize them. The lack of education, again, like you said, is just removing this idea. And I'm trying to tread lightly because I understand the concept also that within the Black community, there's a fear of even having a gun. Right. Because it's like, I'm still the villain with or without it. Think of Philandro Castile. 
mm-hmm. you know, where he was in the car, his hands was up. He said, he even warned the officer, I have one. It is licensed, but it's like, you think, and you're just like, man, he was being honest. He was being safe and he still got killed. Why? Because the color of his skin. So I know we want to educate our people, like you said, in removing the stigma, um, providing resources for those that are surrounded by mental mental health issues that are surrounded by abuse that are surrounded by the hood mentality or gang culture that this is the only way you utilize a gun and this is the only thing that a gun is is good for but i also understand the fear because even for myself as a woman thinking of um owning one in the future i think about like will i still be a target no matter what or will i more so be a target because i have this because of the color of my skin compared to a white woman that would have one and they automatically see it as oh she's you know protecting herself but myself with a gun is oh she's a threat we got to take her down so so what are your thoughts on that or experiences on that the stigma that we face being Black gun owners is only going to go away once it's normalized. The fact that we're having this conversation, the fact that there's an interview with a Black woman firearms instructor, or the fact that it's even newsworthy means that it's not normal, right? Mm-hmm. Because if this was normal, if there were a thousand of me, no one would want to talk about me. I wouldn't have been, you know, in, in any interview, right? It wouldn't be of any interest because ah, it's just Tuesday, whatever, it's black gun ownership, right? right? But the reason why the stigma keeps being perpetuated is because of that fear. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a somewhat of a lose-lose situation. We're afraid to go out and be gun owners and exercise our rights because we know that we live in a racist system that will target us because of our gun ownership. But then also we keep getting targeted because it's not normal it's not a normal thing even as black people when we think when we think black man with gun we think criminal right so we think that imagine what they think imagine what white law enforcement officers think we already have that preconceived notion that black plus gun equals bad and so do they and the only way they are going to change their minds or visualizations of black man plus gun equals bad if we have Good man plus gun equals good. Good woman plus gun equals, you know what I mean? If if we change that narrative ourselves, if we force our rappers to stop talking about gun ownership, you know, and making it a cool or thug or gang thing, if we yes. talk to our Black creatives in our movies and TV shows and force them, hey, look, I'm tired of seeing the only time I ever see a Black person with a gun on TV or on a screen is when they're a bad guy. I want our good guys to have guns and make that normal, make it not a storyline or a part of the script or a part of that, that person's character. Right. So we have to demand that. And that's only going to happen when more of us are on the same page of look, we're skin folk. We have this battle gun issues and gun rights are probably not at the forefront of our mind right now, but Mm -hmm. gun rights are civil rights. Right. It's one of my civil liberties as a taxpaying citizen of this country to be able to defend myself. So once we understand that and start practicing, this is my right to Mm -hmm. then it's not going to change the perception that, you know, black person plus gun equals bad. You know, we have to step up and exercise our rights. Well said. (laughs) Definitely well said. How has tapping into, I guess, a little bit of personal 
how has your family and peers responded to you beginning this organization? Initially, they were very, very hesitant and mm-hmm. opposed to the idea. I told my friends, I think this was in 2016, while I was working at the gun range, mm-hmm. that, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own business. And they were like, mm, nah, that's never going to work. Like, what Black women instructors do you know of? And I was like, none. And what Black-owned firearms instruction companies do you know of? And I was like... Well, none. I can do it. Why can't I do it? And that's why you need to do it, right? Right. So like, I didn't have a blueprint and they were like, you know, you don't do your market research. Who do you know that's doing this, all that stuff. And then, you know, my mom, she was kind of like scared for me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, I hate to say this, but she asked me like, are you an extremist now? Like, you know, did some foreign entity get to, you know, I know you were over there and I know you were in the military and it's just so strange that you want to do this. You sure you're okay. You haven't like been recruited by anybody. (laughs) And I was like, mom, come on, you know me my whole life. You know, that's crazy. No. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But just the reaction, it was exactly what I expected it to be. I expected, you know, them to not initially be on board because it was so different. But I had this feeling and I've had it for about 15 years. I had this feeling that there's something that I needed to do. And when I became a firearms instructor while working at the gun range, I had the feeling that this is it. You know, like this is the one thing I have to do. I don't know why and I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but I have to do this. So they weren't initially supportive. But after I just started doing things on my own, I was teaching classes Um, in 2017. uh, I got a lot of attention, like with uh, news and and interviews like Time Magazine and BT and all of those. And then my family after that was like, wait a minute. This might be, you might just be on to something. It's always <laughs> after the accolades. That yes. It's just like, okay, you know what? We we understand what you're trying to do now. Right. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, wait a minute. You know what? Now that you mention it, I think I do want to get a gun and come to a class and, you know, but it's okay. I didn't feel any way about it because I knew that that was going to happen. No one's going to be with you on this, but just keep going. Mm-hmm. And I did. And now, you know, my mom loves it, loves what I do. She tells everyone all the time. I tell her not to do that, but she's always like, my, my baby's the gun lady. That's the, you know, she's the firearms instructor. (laughs) And I'm going to get all y'all to come to her class. And, you know, my mom, she now has a few guns, which she said she'd never be a gun owner. Um, and has her permit. My sister, she has her permit and guns. My nieces and nephews have all taken my class to know how to shoot. My cousins, uh, my dad, which I, you know, after Vietnam, you know, he had wanted nothing, you know, nothing to do with guns. We couldn't even have toy guns in the house. But he came to the gun range to support, you know, so they completely turned their perspective around and they understand what I'm doing and why it's so important. That's really dope. What has been the response to your classes, like in the sense of like the attendance rate, what have women gained from, you know, coming to your classes or what are some of like the stories that you've heard from women after attending your classes? Um, The response has been great. My students, we have a sisterhood. I actually call them my sisters in classes. They love it. I mean, I would say I've taught maybe, I say maybe a hundred classes total. No, probably more than that. Somewhere more than a little bit higher than 100 classes in the last okay. four years. Okay. And those classes are usually sold out. They're usually full classes. 
the students, I send out survey emails um, and I have them rate me on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being the highest. How'd you enjoy the class? Very rarely do we get anything lower than a nine. So they really love the class. They love the experience. They love the environment more than anything because it's group classes with other black women taught okay. by a black woman. Yeah. And you're not going to find that anywhere else. So they told me, hey, this has changed my life. You know, I've helped women buy guns. I've helped women get their carry permits. I don't know how to quantify it, but I say probably out of the almost 4,000 students I've taught, probably at least a a third of them have either gotten their carry permit or gotten their firearm after taking one of my classes. And then I also have some women attend the classes and decide, you know what, thanks for the information. I feel well-informed, but I don't want to buy a gun and I don't want to take, you know, I don't want to continue practicing. And that's completely okay with me. I have a no pressure class and I let the women know gun ownership is not for everyone. And it is not my job as an educator to try to convince you to become a gun owner. My job is to educate you on how to safely and properly use those firearms. It's completely up to you whether you want the responsibility, because it's a huge responsibility, financially, morally, and spiritually, of gun ownership. And they make that decision for themselves. So, you know, I've had pretty much great responses, great feedback from my students. Um, In the beginning, when some of those articles came out, I had a little bit of pushback from, you know, for some people who would consider themselves right leaning. And they were like, "Okay, well, this is cool that they're learning how to shoot, I guess, because I like guns. But, oh, now black women are arming themselves. They're going to start hurting the black men. Or, oh, now, you know, there's going to be more shootings in the inner city, you know, which is coded language for black neighborhoods, you know? Right. So what is right leaning? I'm sorry. Right leaning will be like a Republican on the political scale, like right leaning, conservative, um, Republican, left leaning will be like liberal. Got um, it. more central. <laughs> but yeah, so like people who are right leaning or consider themselves Republican or conservative, I try not to use those words interchangeably because they're not all the same. Correct. So that's why I just kind of say right leaning. Got it. Describe some of the classes that you teach. I know one is like intro to the pistol. Like what are some of the classes yeah. that you teach? So the very first class that I would suggest someone who's new to firearm uh, take is intro to pistol one. That's our most popular class. It is for beginners. In that class, we talk about the firearm safety rules at length. We probably spend about an hour and a half in the classroom area just talking about firearm safety rules, how to handle a firearm, the nomenclature or parts of a pistol, and, you know, your fundamentals like shooting, uh, I'm sorry, grip, aim, stance, um, sight alignment, sight picture, breath control, trigger squeeze. We talk about those things in the classroom. Then the ladies go shoot. You know, we answer questions, talk about gun law. And then that's the end of the class. And then intro to pistol two, you know, contrary to the two being added to it, it's not really a level higher than intro to pistol one. It's just different. So intro to pistol two requires you have your own firearm. In that class, we still cover the firearm safety rules, firearm shooting fundamentals, all of the basics. We just add to it with how to clear jams, malfunctions, and stoppages, and how to clean and maintenance your firearm. Because you have your own firearm, it makes sense for you to learn how to clean your own instead of learning how to clean mine. It's different, so it makes sense. Okay. So that's intro to pistol two. Then we have concealed carry. 
And that's a class where I teach women how to safely deploy or remove their firearm from wherever they have it stored, like in a holster, um, and how to safely shoot your firearm after, you know, drawing it from the holster. So that's that class. And then firearm selection is a new course that I just created uh, about two months ago. Okay. And that class is for those who are like, look, I, I've shot a few firearms. This is what I want to do. Teach me what I need to know to go buy one. How do I select what's best mm. for me? You know, this is what I want the gun to be for, whether it's for home defense or carry. Teach me how to go buy it. And then we also shoot different firearms at the class so they can kind of narrow down their preferences, whether they want a subcompact or full size. You know, what, do I want a small gun or do I want a big gun? Do I want a gun with a safety on it or not? Right. They shoot. And then we end the class at the gun store where they actually go buy the type of firearm that they've decided that's for them. And then the last one, uh, family safe. Family safe is the co-ed class that I teach. It's, you know, men, women, and children, children ages to 12, 12 to 17. Nice. And that class is firearm safety, first aid. So how to stop the bleed, apply a tourniquet, create a first aid kit. Uh, situational awareness as a family, what things do we need to look out for so that we don't even have to use a firearm? How can we escape or evade the situation? Mm -hmm. And then emergency preparedness is taught in that class as well. So if I were to leave my home in a hurry in case of a break-in or a, not necessarily a break-in, I probably wouldn't leave my home, but in case of like a natural disaster or Mm -hmm. civil, you know, disobedience or disruption or something going on outside, you know, what things do I need to know to go and get on the road? Where am I going? What's my plan? If we need to evacuate, you know, what are we doing? What things do we need? If we need to shelter in place, like in case of a pandemic starting, right? Mm -hmm. What things should I already have here? So that way I don't have to be one of the 200 people at Walmart. Correct. Um, So that's what's taught in the family safe class. I love that. I love the aspect that you've brought the family into it because I think it would kind of give people a understanding or more of an understanding that this is truly about safety and nothing else. It's not about violence. It's not about I'm out here looking for revenge because this has happened to me, but how can I practice self-defense and safety in a way that may not be the typical norm within our community, you know, so I I love those elements. What are certain things that a person should understand before um, becoming a gun owner? Well, first thing you should understand is that it's not an invisibility cloak. A lot of people have this false sense of security once they buy guns. They go to the store, buy the gun, throw it in their purse. They're like, well, I'm a gun owner now. You know, someone tries to rob me. It's just yeah. in my purse somewhere. You know, I'm good. Or, you know, I got it in the closet in the shoebox on the shelf. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. I'm sta- I'm protected. You know, I'm good. Or they'll go get their carry permit. You know, they took that one, two, three hour class, get their carry permit. They're like, look, I got my carry permit. I got my gun in my purse. I'm good. And you're not, you know, just getting a carry permit or just buying a gun doesn't make you any safer than someone who doesn't have one. You have to train and training is physical, like literally being in shape, doing cardio, you know what I mean? Going to the gym so that you don't hit muscle failure so quickly when shooting, Um, being in shape so you can run away from a bad guy or run to safety. Uh, it's, It's mental. I understand that because I'm a gun owner, I'm responsible for everyone's life around me. And I walk around the world like that. Other things or other times when someone does something, they bump into me, someone's rude, someone starts to try to fight with, a fight with me. 
before I was a gun owner, yeah, I'm all, let's go, you know? But now that I'm a gun owner, I'm like, no, 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 because I see how this can play out and escalate, right? And if I'm, if my life is threatened, right, I feel like you have the ability to end my life. I'm going to defend myself with my firearm, right? If if the scenario calls for it. So that means you are going to end up eliminated and I am going to have to call the police. I'm going to have to explain to them the situation. I might have to go to court. I'm going to have my firearm confiscated. I'm going to have to pay legal fees. I can get sued for any damages. I'm going to have to pay a civil suit. Like I think about that whole six, five to six year process that I'm going to be tied up in the court, right? And all the money that I spent. So it's not just me protecting my ego. I'm protecting my livelihood by not mm. engaging in this situation. That's vital. So it's a mental thing you have to go through, right? It's not, well, I can't buy a gun because, you know, I got road rage. I got, I got anger issues. I'm just going to be waving it around. You say that, but when you think about the repercussions as a gun owner, you would never, ever carelessly endanger yourself, right? Mm. You wouldn't do it. Any sane person would try to avoid it at all costs because we know what's going to happen and we know especially dealing with the legal system as a black person, things can go wrong. So it's about physical, it's about mental, and it's about spiritual. You have to talk to whoever you believe in and understand or ask the question, have that discussion. Am I okay with taking a life in defense of my own? And some people are not okay with taking a life, even in defense of their own. So if you're one of those people, don't buy a firearm. That's what they're for. So if you're like, I never want to, I mean, I never want to use mine either, but if I had to, I would, right? If you're like, I never want to use it. And if I had to, I probably wouldn't, don't buy it. It's more dangerous to you in your home if you're not planning on using it for its intended purpose. So just don't buy it. There are other ways to defend yourself. So before you buy a gun, you need to think about those three things, have a conversation with your family, decide if you can financially uh, afford to become a gun owner. It's expensive and it's not just a one-time fee. You know, you got to buy the firearm, all the gear and accessories. If you're going to be responsible, that means you're practicing. That means you're paying for ammo. That means you're going to the gun range twice a month at minimum. That means you're taking firearms classes every few months or as much as you can afford to, right? There's a lot of expenses that come along with being a gun owner. And if you can't afford it, or if you're not responsible or dedicated enough to do everything that you need to, then probably shouldn't buy a firearm. Wow. I didn't even think about the expense part. Cause like you said, you just think about, okay, I'm gonna pay for permit. I'm gonna pay for the gun. I'm gonna pay for ammo. But once that's out the way, I should be good. It is a mental, spiritual, and physical thing. And what are you doing to constantly place yourself in the position to be ready to utilize that gun? So I I appreciate you actually mentioning that part. So to kind of wrap things up, how do women get introduced to different forms of training? Um, We know, and we'll get to that of how they can, you know, be introduced to your platform. But what are other ways? And I know on your website, you have the National Black Self-Defense Directory. Can you talk a little bit about that or other um, resources that women can get? Right. So I would start with the National Black Self-Defense Directory. If it matters to you that you're learning from another person of color, if it doesn't matter to you, then most gun ranges have a firearms instructor that's hired on staff there to teach classes. Um, You can contact organizations like the USCCA. It's the United States Concealed Carry Association. They offer classes and training depending on how you feel 
and you know your thought process and your political perspective the nra does offer classes and they do offer training so you do have a few places you can go to find an instructor Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're looking for someone, you know, who looks like you and comes from, you know, a similar background, then I would start off with the National Black Self-Defense Directory. Do they also tap into laws that one should know about? Because you mentioned a lot when you said before becoming a gun owner, you should know about if this was to happen, then they may confiscate it and you may have to go to court and this and that. Do these directories also provide a kind of guide to laws or does one have to like take your courses to understand more about these laws? I mean, any person can literally Google the gun laws for their state. So you can type in, you know, New Jersey gun law or California gun law. The USCCA does offer a great guide to gun laws and they actually have an interactive map so you can click on the map and see all the gun laws for your state nice. and ask questions by calling the, the USDCA's 1-800 number like hey I'm in Florida can I do XYZ and they'll answer your question for you I think probably the best person to go to is your local firearms instructor they're going to know a lot more about what you need to do to get a permit what the laws are what the carry laws are Um, That person probably has a lot more experience giving out that information and they probably have the most current information about the local gun laws. That's helpful. Thank you. So, of course, yourself, how do we get in touch with you and how do we begin taking your courses? What are the different platforms that we can look up or, you know, go to? So my website is mysisterskeeperdefense.com. My Instagram page is exactly the same at mysisterskeeperdefense. On Facebook, if you type in My Sister's Keeper Defense, will pop up. It'll show my old business name, Trigger Happy Firearm Instruction. For some reason, I can't change it. But mm. if you type in My Sister's Keeper Defense, it'll pop up as well. And those are the ways that you can contact me. Okay. And of course, um, via IG or even your website, we could sign up for your e-newsletter. Absolutely. Subscribe yeah. to the newsletter. We send out monthly uh, messages with all of the class updates. Right. I can attest to that. I still get them. I may not be in the Atlanta area, but I still get them. And what I also love and I want my listeners to know by going on your website as well, they can tap into the women's pistol handbook for a small fee that would also be very helpful for them understanding like how further or how much further they want to go into understanding utilizing a gun. So Marshall, thank you so, so much. I truly appreciate all the information that you've given us today. And as for myself, with the experience that I told you earlier, having this interview, being a part of your e-newsletter and even your IG and looking at other interviews that you've done, you've truly taught me more of understanding the concept of guns and really shifting not only did the experience shift my perspective but your platform has also shifted my perspective and based on the information you have given here today I truly hope that women women of color have definitely discovered a new perspective or understanding when it comes to the gun culture so thank you very very much thank you thank you for having me no problem no problem Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. 
And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.